Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pardon My Pancreas. My name is Matt Vandevecht, and I'm a certified trainer and nutritionist, one of your hosts today, and the other host is Ali Abdul Karim. He is a social media influencer, an incredible guy, and we are both type 1 diabetics here to share our knowledge and experiences with you. We occasionally interview people that are very knowledgeable in the diabetic world, sometimes doctors, sometimes influencers, people living with it. And this episode is brought to you by FTF Warrior, an online health coaching company for diabetics. And we will go further by saying this is not medical advice in any manner. We are not doctors. We will never be doctors. And nothing said on this podcast is meant to replace your doctor's order. So consult your doctors before you make changes. Without any further ado, let's get into... What is up? Pardon my pancreasers. This is Matt coming at you today with my diagnosis story. But first, I'm going to tell you guys some some real deals, some real life stuff with diabetes. I was running a little bit high right before I recorded this. It's like 170-ish. And I was like, you know what? I cannot go into this podcast recording with a high blood sugar. That's just embarrassing. (laughs) So I went for a quick walk around the block and now... Since I had a little bit of insulin on board left over, I am cruising at about 110, so I'm feeling good about that. And, uh, you know, I kind of miscounted on lunch. I forgot to include half of an apple in my calculation, so had to give a little bit of insulin for that half of an apple late, and that's just real diabetes for you. But cruising at 110 now, feeling great about it. Let's get into today's story. Um, and I'm going to start today's story off with a story, actually. When I was first diagnosed, and I'm just... Bear with me. When I was first diagnosed, this is probably a couple months after my diagnosis, actually, I had a very interesting experience that shifted my perspective on diabetes quite a bit. It was after a family snowboarding trip. So my family and I were up in Big Bear, had an amazing time. Fresh powder, mountain was beautiful, had a great time with the family. Coming back down, traditions to get, uh, typically, we used to get in and out burgers, you know, after a long day of snowboarding, you're starving. Uh, but we found a Rubio's first. So went to Rubio's, got my burrito, figured out, you know, how to look up carbs on the internet and uh, found Rubio's burrito menu. I got the chicken burrito especial. It was amazing. Um, actually, no, that's what I usually get. I got uh, a plate of tacos, like their chicken t- or taco platter, whatever it is. Found the carbs and I was like, okay, it's this many carbs. I have like a platter of tacos and a burrito. I ate a lot. And uh, injected for it. Had our dinner. Great. Back on the road. We're on the road. Headed back down. I was like, you know what? I don't think the amount of insulin that I gave matches up to what I just ate. Like something doesn't feel right. So I looked it up online again just to double check, right? I wanted to see. Because I was like, that kind of feels like a lot of insulin. Even though I'm new at this. That feels like a lot. And you guys... I, <laughs> the blood just immediately emptied out of my face. I turned into a pale ghost. I was like, mom, dad, I gave myself way too much insulin. I'm like, what do you mean? And I was like, I just looked up the carbs. I, I, I don't know what to do. What do I do? <laughs> and we turned around and we headed back to the restaurant because the amount of insulin that I gave myself Oh, you guys, it it would it will shock you how much I gave. And I am going to tell you that the end of that story at the end of this podcast. So we're going to jump back a few months 
to where I got initially diagnosed. Now, I got diagnosed later in life. Uh, I was 19 and a half. I was actually diagnosed a day before Christmas Eve, so December 23rd, 2019. I always tell people that's a fun Christmas present, right? Thanks, Santa. So, December 23rd, I was diagnosed with diabetes after, of course, the classic symptoms had uh, presented themselves. Super thirsty all the time. I was peeing full bladder like every hour. Uh, But on top of that, I had a rough month. And, of course, diabetes doesn't make it any better. So, um, that month, I'm just going to get real with you guys and kind of open up. Hope you don't mind. Uh, That month, my childhood dog died. His name was Shadow. And he was an incredible dog. You know, my best friend growing up. Uh, The week before I was diagnosed with diabetes, I had totaled my car. And that was my first car. That was also a huge bummer. Um, What else happened? Oh, I failed a lot of classes my first semester of college. Did not do well. And that was a huge blow to my confidence. And uh, as a result of failing so many classes, I was not able to become an active member in the Christian fraternity that I've been pledging all semester. So all of my work was, I mean, it wasn't for nothing, but, you know, it just, everything shut down. Um, Then I got diagnosed with type 1 diabetes right before Christmas. So that was not a fun month for me. And to top it all off, the doctor that diagnosed me didn't really know much about it. Um, They kept me overnight. And uh, he basically told me, look, you can't have any sugar of any kind ever again. And my first thought, goofball me, was, wait, don't granola bars have sugar in them? Like those chewy granola bars that are delicious. And he's like, yeah, no sugar at all, ever. <laughs> and that's all. That's all he told me. He said, you know, here's some insulin. They gave me the, uh, I believe it was an orange. And they, they showed me how to inject And I injected for my first breakfast as a diabetic, which, come on, hospital food. They gave me pancakes and syrup. I was like, are you kidding me? This is literally sugar. How how does this make sense to you? Ah, frustrating. But, uh, yeah, so I was diagnosed at 19, my first year of college. And I was on the San Diego State rowing team as well. So as a collegiate athlete, having my season get interrupted with type 1 diabetes, I was like, great, what do I do now? Now, luckily for me, and this is just a quick side tangent, there's actually a guy on my rowing team. His name was Lawson. He was a type 1 diabetic, and he grew up with it. He had it his whole life. So um, upon finding out about my diabetes diagnosis, he uh, he offered some help. And he wasn't overbearing, telling me everything I have to do now. He's just there as a, a nice reference. He's a, a good buddy for that. Um, and he actually saved me a few times. We were in the boat out in the water in the middle of the bay, and silly me, new diabetic, didn't bring any sugar. And sure enough, I'm going low because, you know, it's a two-hour practice of very high-level, intense exercise. And uh, he passed back his Capri Sun juice box and saved me. So, yeah, good guy. Good guy. But, um, you know, for the first year and a half of having diabetes, that was kind of my life. I just I didn't prepare very well. Um I'll be completely honest with you guys, I didn't even test my blood sugar, hardly at all. There were many times where I was like, oh, I should probably test my blood sugar. Huh, I wonder where my blood sugar tester is, my glucometer. I had no idea where it was. And, uh, you know, my family 
kind of looking in from the outside. They are all in the medical field and uh, making sure I knew how important it was to test. But, um, you know, just I couldn't be persuaded to test my blood sugars. I was like, I got it, guys. It's fine. I just guessed on carbs, inject, and uh, see how it goes. You know, I was in college and rebellious. I used to have massive burritos and like full-on meals, like 11 o'clock at night, and just go straight to bed afterwards. So I'd inject, eat my burrito, be like, cool, I'm going to be fine, and go to bed. (laughs) And, you know, now to even imagine doing that freaks me out. I'm like, there's no way in heck I'm going to watch to see what my blood sugars do. You know, they might spike, they might drop. And uh, (laughs) the fat content, the protein content, right, there's so many variables that we can pay attention to. It's very easy to get obsessed now with all this data coming at us, but uh, I did not play it safe as a diabetic. I was, like I said, I was rebellious. And, uh, you know, it got to a point where I knew that I wanted to live a healthier life, and I wanted to figure out if there was a way for me to live a normal life, to not let diabetes get in the way with friends and family, and to still have fun and to be healthy enough. Um, but to still, you know, take care of myself and have fun with it. Right. But then I realized that internally there's a different message being spread. It was, I didn't want to die, you know, realizing that this disease, it does kill people. And even if I don't die, I might experience diabetic complications. And those, my doctors love to remind me of those, right? Like, Oh, you can have erectile dysfunction, which of course, as a college kid, like, uh, worst fear. It's like, duh, I really hope that doesn't happen. Like for, uh, <laughs> like to be able to enjoy life for the rest of my life. Uh, amputations, man, I was an athlete. You know, the thought of amputations was like, that would end my athletic career. Like, yeah, I wasn't going to go pro or anything, but I love being active and that would end everything. Blindness, like, you know, you guys know the complications. I don't have to go into this, but I was scared and depressed and I didn't want this to be my life. And so I knew that ultimately something had to change, but I I didn't quite know what. And uh, I just kept hitting these walls. Like there's this one time, I'll give you guys another story, where uh, I was out at uh, drive-in movies out in the middle of nowhere with some friends. And uh, man, it was like probably halfway through the movie, I had a severe, severe low blood sugar. And the reason I say severe is because I don't remember all of it. I was unconscious for part of it. The last thing I remember was telling my friend, I was like, hey, I need sugar. And thankfully, she knew like kind of what diabetes was and you know, type 1s. She knew a little bit. So she's like, okay, sugar, got it. Ran over to the uh, snack shack, whatever place. And I remember just <laughs> buying everything. I had a, a whole pint of like these ice cream bites I had a whole soda. I had like a thing of candy. I don't know. Tons of stuff. But the the point is, I don't remember everything. I remember ordering that food. I remember coming to, back to consciousness, and I was seated up against the tire of her truck, sipping on soda. Just confused to heck. Like, how did I get here? And what's going on? And so I realized in that moment, if I don't start taking care of myself... I could actually die. You know, they talk about complications all the time, but I literally could die from this. And that terrified me. I'm not one to worry. You know, I I was adventurous and fearless, and I loved just going out and 
and challenging the forces of nature, you know, skydiving, whatever you want. I love that stuff. And so to worry and to be scared was new for me. I felt weak. It, it was not a fun feeling. So I knew something had to change. I knew that I needed to take this into my own hands and learn how to take care of this. Because, I mean, ultimately, I needed to be my own best advocate. Because ultimately, there, there's nobody that can make the decision to take care of my diabetes except for me, right? No one else can do this for me. I have to do it. I have to be the one that takes charge. And I have to take care of myself so that I can be there for others that I love. You know, how selfish of me would it be to give up if others are involved in my life? And so I had that intrinsic value system that I want to hold on to and the extrinsic <clears throat> motivational forces. So I had to come up with a plan. And in my head, the best way I could go about this is just to learn everything. So I started obsessing over nutrition, obsessing over fitness, seeing how different things affected my blood sugars, what variables caused what. And you know, honestly, guys, it's a lot of trial and error, or it was for me. I didn't have a great medical team at the time to help educate me. I had to go learn on my own. I had to document my journey. And to me, I will tell this to everyone. Documentation is one of the keys to understanding your blood sugar fluctuations. If you document everything, you can see what changes when. Look back and say, oh, maybe it's because I had that you know, snack at this time. I always snack at the same time every day, and then two hours later, I see a spike. That's interesting. Maybe that's my change I have to make. So documentation. I had to slowly build up these healthy habits in my life. I knew I wasn't going to change overnight. Come on, I wasn't testing my blood sugar for a year and a half. Maybe once a month, I don't know. And I knew I wasn't going to start testing five times a day, ten times a day, overnight. And so you start getting used to doing smaller steps, testing once a day, testing before you eat, getting an idea of where your blood sugars are at, and then slowly building on that until you can reach your goals. I had to make these necessary changes in order to save my own life. So this is my plan to document things, trial and error, learning as much as I could. But the problem is there's a lot to learn. You know, people get degrees in this. They get PhDs in this. They devote their lives to studying nutrition and fitness. And so ultimately, consistency with foods and testing injections, I knew that was the key, but it's difficult. And I'm sure many of you understand this too. It's difficult to keep things consistent because you want to experience life. You don't want diabetes to hold you back. You don't want to be locked into the same meals every day, locked into the same times that you're working out. That was difficult for me, especially as a college kid, especially somebody who loved to travel the world, try new foods, jump across time zones, and have new experiences. Consistency was difficult. Saying no to immediate satisfaction, that was difficult. Sweets. Honestly, guys, <laughs> I'm going to tell you a little secret. You know, everyone's like, oh yeah, you have dessert after dinner. That was not me. I wanted to have dessert at every meal. You know, maybe it wasn't a bowl of ice cream at every meal, but, you know, I might have a glass of chocolate milk with my lunch or something. And to have to temporarily avoid that, to, to test and see how my blood sugars were affected, that was difficult for me. Not, not everybody can, uh, not everybody has the same issues they fight. You know, some people have no temptation with sweets. Some people, that's their biggest thing in life. So for me... At that point in my life, sweets were a tough thing to give up. Again, being real with you guys, another really big 
thing that was difficult for me is keeping my mind right. I'll be real with you guys. Um, before I had diabetes, when I was very young, I was diagnosed with depression. And I had, I had a really hard time staying positive when I was a kid. I always focused on the negative, and uh, that's just how my mind was wired at that time. And I had to relearn how to think positively. My parents were a huge help with that. You know, they prayed for me every day. Every day they'd ask me, what's one positive thing that happened? Just one. And over time, they helped me grow out of that. But this whole thing with diabetes, honestly, you guys, brought back some heavy feelings of depression and anxiety. It's just... I mean, I know there's a lot of you out there that struggle with this as well, and mental health is a serious topic that needs more attention within the diabetic community. It's a big deal, because diabetes can bring up some rough stuff, and not everybody has the tools or the community necessary to help them through that. So that's uh, those are some issues that I ran into, but through fighting through those issues, and, uh, you know, working towards it, having that goal in mind, a specific goal. I wanted to have better blood sugars. I wanted to live a healthier life. And, uh, I was not going to be one of those diabetic complication stories you hear about. Oh, my grandpa got his leg cut off. No, he didn't because my grandpa, which me, Matt, we're talking about me. That's confusing. I know (laughs) I'm not going to be the old guy that's missing his legs because I gave up. I'm going to be the old guy that people are like, oh my goodness, it is possible to live to 100 with type 1 diabetes and still have your sight and still have your all your limbs and still be enjoying life to the fullest. That was my goal. And it remains my goal. And so my achievement, you guys, is after all this time, it's been uh, just over nine years now that I've had type 1 diabetes. And as a result of putting in that effort, putting in the work, uh, learning about nutrition and fitness, I have better blood sugar control. I have, you know, body positivity with wearable diabetes devices. You know, I'm not embarrassed about my diabetes. I had to get a quick drink of water there. Mouth's getting dry. Not because of high blood sugar, though, just because I'm talking a lot. <laughs> you know, I'm fit and healthy now. I no longer crave those sugars like I used to. I've trained myself. I've retrained my mind. And my desires in life to have stable blood sugars outweigh my desires to have sugar at every meal. I still treat myself occasionally, but, you know, I make sure that it's worth it. It's not just mindless eating. And ultimately, through this journey, I've gained confidence in myself and in my diabetes management skills. I've learned ways to cope with the mental health. I've learned healthily in a healthy sense. You know, there's definitely negative coping. This is a healthy coping that I've learned. Um, I've learned ultimately how to live my life the way that I want to, and maintain stable blood sugars. And that's something that I didn't know if that was possible, honestly. I thought on my diagnosis day, with all my heart, I thought that my life had changed forever and it would never be the same, and it changed for the worse. That's what I thought. But what I didn't know is that through this journey, I would learn that not this disease doesn't make you weaker. You know, I thought... As, as soon as I was diagnosed, my mindset was, I am now weaker. I am now, I've turned into something that I should be embarrassed about. That's not true at all. I learned that I am stronger than I ever knew I was. I, I ever knew possible. Reason being is I've fought this disease every day of my life since that diagnosis. I have never given up and I never will. And I know all of you are fighting this same disease. It's a beast. 
but we can do it. We are doing it. We are all actively fighting this thing. And it's so exciting to hear stories of people that they have fought through. And uh, it, it really fires me up. <laughs> I won't get into that too much. But for everyone fighting, keep it going. You're doing a great job. Now, um, I will finish that first story for you guys. I know you're itching to find out. How much insulin did he give? We're in the car. We're driving home. I realized I may have given too much insulin. I think, oh no. What do I do? I check my phone. Sure enough, I gave way too much insulin. I tell my parents, we need to go back. I need to order more food. I made a huge mistake. You guys, I injected for 330 carbohydrates. 330. Imagine with me for a second right now. You've just injected four times as much as you needed for your meal. Only problem is you injected that like 45 minutes ago. And you're already in a different place. Nowhere near food. And, uh, you know, you're kind of new to diabetes. You have no idea what's going on. 330 grams of carbs. In my meal, I probably had 80. Oh my goodness. Now this came from a simple error of I looked at the, the whole, like the group order of the food that I ordered and not the individual order. So not the restaurant's fault. I misread the nutritional facts, but I was new at being a diabetic, so you can't blame me. But 330 grams of carbs. So we turned the car around. We went back to Rubio's, jumped in there, quickly looked at, you know, what has a ton of carbs that we can quickly get into this kid, you know, and uh, ordered two more chicken burrito especiales. So, oh my goodness, <laughs> I've never eaten so fast in my life because I knew something bad was probably going to happen if I didn't get this stuff into my system. So I can't remember the exact amount of food I ate, but it was something like three chicken burrito especiales with some tacos and chips. Oh my goodness, I was painfully full. And this isn't the only time that I've done that. I did another stupid mistake like a year later in college. I ate an entire pizza and also a pint of ice cream and also a bag of chips. And I fully went into that aware of what I was doing. It was stupid. But 330 carbs. That's to this day the most carbs I have ever injected for. The most carbs I will probably ever inject for because that's ridiculous. <laughs> and thank God nothing bad happened. I don't understand how. I don't understand why, but I made it through. I didn't go low. As far as I know, guys, I wasn't on Dexcom yet, so I could have dipped low and not known about it. But huh, now looking back, here's the, the silly part. Looking back now, with all of this new knowledge that I've gained, I could have just had a soda. I could have had a lemonade. I could have had ice cream. I could have gone and had the biggest ice cream sandwich and just been in heaven. Do you realize that? I could have had so many other things, but I chose two burritos that were massive because that's what I thought I needed because it had a lot of carbs in it. I was like, oh, I just need a bunch of carbs. Oh my goodness, I could have saved myself so many stomach aches had I known a juice box could have fixed that whole thing. So that is Matt's diagnosis story along with a little fun, woo, crazy story about how I injected for and consumed 330 grams of carbs 
a mere few months after I was diagnosed. Whew. Still getting chills just thinking about that. It's nuts. Whew. All right. So, again, that's it for my story. Guys, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Please let us know what you guys want to hear more of. We've got some exciting interviews coming up with the experts. Got some storytellers, got some doctors, got some really cool stuff coming up. But please let us know what you want to hear because we do take your considerations seriously. Considerations, yeah. (laughs) Everything you say, we listen to with a grain of salt. Have a great day, guys, and keep up the fight.